0: Welcome to the First Lutheran Church located at 512 South Cale Avenue in Miles City with pastoral services provided by Pastor Steve Rice. The Holy Gospel according to Luke, the 14th chapter, writes, On one occasion, when Jesus was going to the house of a leader of the Pharisees to eat a meal on the Sabbath, they were watching him closely. When he noticed how the guests chose the places of honor, he told them a parable. When you are invited to someone, by someone to a wedding banquet, do not sit down at the place of honor in case someone more distinguished than you has been invited by your host, and the host who invited both of you may come and say to you, give this person your place, and then in disgrace you would start to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down at the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. He said also to the one who had invited him, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors in case they may invite you in return and you would be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid, be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. The Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. Uh, Short sermon this morning, at least I think it's going to be short, it appears that way at least at this initial uh, initial, uh, initial beginning, the beginning. Uh, I want, instead of uh, using the uh, gospel lesson as a text, to address uh, the uh, epistle reading from Hebrews, caught my eye for a number of reasons. Uh, one is uh, Hebrews, of course, being uh, written, addressed to what we believe were Jewish Christians, Hebrews, uh, Christians of the first century. Uh, and... Uh, um, being also very um, uh, sophisticated but complex in its uh, um, its writing style and so uh, it's always been um, interesting and fascinating and I thought let's let's just take the epistle text today for the sermon text and uh, in light of the fact that, School is uh, resuming and starting up this past week for many, uh, and the uh, Wednesday after school program uh, will be starting as soon as Lena and I get our heads together, decide what that's going to happen, but it will happen here soon. The Wednesday after school program that both serves the kindergarten through third graders here in the church, uh, and fourth, fifth, and sixth graders as they go to the local VA facility. Uh, there to spend time with the veterans, but they begin their time together with a Bible study here at the church before we divide them. And then I've also uh, visited with Amanda to set up our schedule of time for me to visit with the preschool children as they uh, uh, begin classes, I think this coming week, right Leah uh, the preschool cl- children will be returning, some coming for the first time, but in total over a hundred children uh, in the preschool here at the church uh, and uh, and so as I was looking at the lessons for today, uh, one of the verses jumped off the page out of Hebrews uh, to me, if you will, um, and it, it did so because it's a lesson or a verse, I'm sorry, it's a verse that we early on in the year try to uh, share with and encourage the children to learn, to memorize uh, out of Hebrews, and uh, it's a simple verse, uh, one that's very uh, uh, learnable for the little ones, but I 'm going to suggest very appropriate for we who are older from the second lesson, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me okay it's such a simple confession of faith that that we again use it in teaching the children but when we read it I think we are more prone to recognize the um, childlike innocence of it, uh, rather like uh, uh, the simple songs that we teach the children. The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? Written to and at a time when there was a lot being done to the early Christians, the Hebrew Christians, Hebrews who had left the, the, uh, uh, the, the Jewish faith. In order to embrace this Jesus as Messiah, rejected, therefore, by their former community, uh, suspect and persecuted uh, by the time of the writing of the epistle to the Hebrews, by the Romans, Nero in his epic, uh, um, torturous and murderous acts against Christian people. The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? A lot. And they were experiencing the full onslaught of it. And so I'm going to suggest that our purpose in teaching this verse to the little ones, um, however, it may not be what it, 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 it would first appear to them when they first learn this verse in its simplicity. There's a lot more substance to it than children are, are apt to pick up on. Um, for the verse is actually not trying to exhort the children or even the grown ups to reckless bravery, but to faith. Okay, but to faith. In a day, our day, our time of, of um, imaginary, fictitious uh, superheroes, um, invincible, and brave false bravado, I think it is a good idea to teach the littlest among us the truth and one truth among many is that everyone's afraid of something okay everyone is afraid of something no one's really exempt from that and in fact fear is not a bad thing it is a capacity that god gave us uh, to help keep us safe and to protect us but again um, I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? The reality is, as we know, a lot. And so as we grow older, we begin to recognize those things that make us afraid. And they evolve over time (laughs) from imaginary things under the bed at night when you're a child or the dark itself. Uh, Our fears evolve as we become more experienced in life. But you see, um, while the world says that in the face of fear, we ought to be brave, tough it out, gut it out, okay, be brave, show defiant courage, such attributes, admirable as they may be, they only address one aspect, one dimension of fear, the physical aspect of it, overcoming uh, physical threat uh, or fear of physical things with bravery, but you see there's other dimensions to this human experience of fear that I think are no less uh, uh, debilitating and can be no less problematic for us uh, than physical fear, things that inflict upon us as we get older, um, more abiding kind of things like anxiety and uh, sleeplessness and inability to concentrate. uh, Problems with relationships, because fear has spiritual, uh, among its complex components, uh, fear also has spiritual proportions, I'm going to suggest. Um, and so I call these, all of these things together the, 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 the complex of fears. And fear's spiritual dimension is the one that we're interested in. Uh, spir- fear's spiritual dimension cries out for their, then and therefore, a spiritual response. The spiritual response that can rise to the challenge of fear is, in a word, faith. Okay, faith. Tested and true from the time of the Hebrews, faith is the spiritual response that endures. Faith. Beginning with the Gospel of Mark, as the story of Jesus is told, the story of life's Christ is told toward the goal of overcoming those impediments to faith, among them fear, to overcoming frightening things through the spiritual resource of faith. And so in that sense, um, you can take away with you today, as you have heard from me before, that faith is the opposite of fear. Faith is the opposite of fear. And so uh, to illustrate, consider the urgent and the demanding examples from the life of Christ that you know about. His ministry uh, where he was watched closely, as in today 's gospel lesson his his ministry, where he was suspect, uh, his ministry that he said openly to the disciples was going to culminate in one last trip to Jerusalem and a cross, okay the whole of the New Testament revolves around that, and so how did our Lord overcome fear of what He could see, what the disciples couldn't accept? God forbid they say, and Jesus said, "No, you don't understand this is what must happen. How did He deal with that that uh, That fear of what He knew would lie ahead? Uh, how did faith overcome doubt? How did faith play its part in the possible arising in the Gospels from the seemingly impossible miracles? Uh, I don't think there's a grown-up in this room so naive as to believe that knowing what lie ahead, and very particularly as that final entry into Jerusalem loomed large before him, the very really human Jesus wasn't fearful, did not experience fear, well-founded fear. Considering the agony visited upon anybody sentenced to a Roman crucifixion, it was common spectacle and common knowledge in the day. And Jesus spoke openly of crucifixion, and that was going to be for him a death inflicted through intricately painful means that would lead to the silence of death and to whatever came next i think jesus understood fear right well but i also you see think i see in this jesus of the new testament a man with such faith as that faith overcame his fear in order that he follow the father's will even when that was most difficult his faith overcame his fear And I would say more, I think to deny Jesus the experience of faith, even worse to deny him the capacity of, of, did I say faith? To deny Jesus the capacity for fear, uh, to deny that he experienced fear, is I think um, a disservice. It is to deny the witness of scripture when in the garden of Gethsemane he prayed earnestly, uh, that what lie ahead, crucifixion be spared, he be spared of. But uh, uh, I think to deny this experience of fear for Jesus is to obscure him, is to obscure the human side of Jesus. It has been said what Jesus didn't experience, Jesus didn't redeem. Okay? He experienced fear as the church confesses him to be true God and true man he experienced fear. And moreover, denying Jesus' experience of fear leaves us in a rather precarious situation when we too must confront those things of which we are afraid and justifiably. And so notice, if you will, that little statement just ahead of the verse that we are considering today. Such few words that they can be overlooked coming at the end of that long litany of virtues and admonitions given to the Hebrews. After enumerating this list of virtues to the Hebrews, the recipients of today's epistle, the faithful were reminded that the unnamed he therein promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The unnamed he is, of course, the Lord, he who was, is, and is to come, who Hebrews described as the same yesterday, today, and forever. He to whom Christians are joined by faith, in sharing that faith, that overcomes fear. Christians are joined by their faith and sacramentally clothed in baptism. He who is, Hebrews would go on to say, superior to the priests of old, and is indeed himself the Eternal One, our God. During the early years of the Christian church's existence and continuing down through the ages to our time, though it be little reported, Christians have been targets, both literally and figuratively, for those who trade in fear and violence. The early martyrs responded with such courage that they often shamed and even stunned their tormentors. It wasn't so much how they lived, it was said, it was how they died. It was not that those early Christians were particularly fearless, rather it was they were particularly faithful, possessed of a faith the world could not understand, faith that God would neither leave them nor forsake them, even in death. Thus, the promise of the resurrection When Jesus went to the cross, he bet it all. He was willing, because of his faithfulness, to endure what he had to endure in order to have what comes next. He believed that. We believe that. We teach that. Therefore, down through the ages, people just like us, Christians, have confessed, have our faith, have held close our, uh, our faith, for it overcomes fear. And so we have taught it to the children that they too might believe. The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can anyone do to me? Amen. Mm-hmm. We hope you've enjoyed this production of the First Lutheran Church. We welcome you to visit us in person at 512 Kale Avenue. You can also find us on Facebook at First Lutheran Church Miles City, Montana and email us at flc at midrivers.com.